Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research, conducting interviews, and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 90 of the Restoring Report podcast. Super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a show about keeping marriage and family as central goals for young believers and prioritizing relationship in a world of many distractions. And today I've got a really awesome article planned out for you guys. I'm going to be reacting and reviewing to an article entitled Men Are Struggling. A new book explores why and what to do about it. And this is our second episode. I'm here with our co-host, Landon Mock. How are you doing today, Landon? Doing great. It's great to be back. Yep. Same here. Same on this end. We'll go ahead and jump right into it. This article was published on November 4th, so just a couple days ago, uh, November 4th of 2022 by Andrea HSU. That's all the information they give me about the article, um, and it looks like it was written for NPR.org, uh, which I've never reviewed an article um, by NPR on the show that'll be new for me. Um, but let's go ahead and get into it. It starts off here. It says Friday's job numbers from the Labor Department showed a continuing worrisome trend among men. A smaller and smaller share of them are working. Consider men of so-called prime working age, 25 to 54. 60 years ago, close to 97% of men in that group were working or looking for work. Since then, there's been a steady decline. In October, the number was 88.5%, a slight dip from the previous two months. And in a new book, the Brookings Institution scholar Richard V. Reeves sounds the alarm about the struggles of men, both in the economy and in society pleading with policymakers and society at large to pay attention to what's going on and intervene. A lot of great stuff that I noticed in this first article or in this first paragraph, first couple paragraphs, actually. Uh, the first of them being that men, I would say, are not entering the labor force as much because they have no reason to because they're not getting married. So I would say, you know, if you're just sitting at home in your parents' basement and you have no reason to uh, leave your parents' home, uh, namely a wife and children that you need to support and provide a roof for. If you don't have that as a reason to leave your parents' basement, then of course you're just going to either A, not go to work at all, or B, go to work and just have free rent. I mean, it makes total sense to me on that front, uh, which again is very sad to me that men have, um, that that goal has kind of been taken from them and they've replaced it from some with either some other goal that's not as valuable or just no goal at all. And they're just sitting in their, their parents' basement aimless. Uh, but the second thing I noticed is that he talks about uh, Reeves, uh, the author of the book that he mentioned there is, or that she mentioned there, 
is pleading, quote unquote, pleading with policymakers and society at large to pay attention to what's going on and intervene. And what I always find absolutely hysterical about these these um, diagnosers of social problems is that they blame society, culture at large, policymakers. Um, they never go back to the root issue, which I would say is family. If you have family problems, if you have poor beliefs, um, you know, if you don't have marriage, when those things are removed, that's what's going to cause these problems. But there, there are other contributing factors as well. But that's what I would say yeah. in response to that first paragraph. Yeah, not, not like trying not to sound too problematic. I'll speak from my own personal, um, you know, my own personal experiences. But my mom would never. She's not the type of person that if we didn't have money, she would have tried to get me to go out and make money. Um, right. And I think that if you have a single mother in the household who feels mm. like she has to go out and make all the money, she's not going to want to put that on her kids. She's going to yeah. want to nurture her kids. Um, but if you have a dual income household and you're able to just, instead of making it a necessity to go and make money, especially at this age, even if you yeah. are still at home, um, you can make it more of a, you need to go out and work. So you learn how to work. And that's yeah. for the more early ages. Um, I'd say even before 25, but with the 25 to 54, like you yeah. said, if you are still staying at mommy and daddy's and you don't have to go out and work, who, who's, who can say that you should? Right. Right. You know, when that goal is removed, when you, when the, when the goal of marriage is removed, you really have no reason to, I mean, basically you're a permanent child. Because you have no, the, 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 what got men out of the house and what got them entering the hard workplaces that they did a long time ago was the incentive of having a wife and children. That was like something that made it worth it for them to go out and work a nine to five, you know? But now when they yeah. don't have that goal, when they don't have that reward, that incentive, it's like, why would I get out of bed? <laughs> you know? Exactly. So I just totally agree with you there. I also like how you pointed out the connection to, you know, single parent houses where perhaps the mom's working. Um, or even if the dad's out of the picture or something like that, that could affect it as well. But I didn't even think of that. And then it gives a chart here about the share of men in the workforce who has seen a steady decline since the 1960s. Uh, we, you, obviously, since it's a podcast, you can't see that that chart, but it's going steadily downward. It's got the the dates that they have are very close together. So they've got like September of 73, October, November, December of 73, every month from, you know, 19, uh, January of 62 all the way up to, you know, December of, of 20, at which point there was a massive drop, which is obviously um, the COVID, the COVID uh, pandemic. A lot of people stopped going to work there, I'm sure. Um, I don't know if this is addressing just people going to work or people working virtually. I think it's going to work because that would explain that that large dip around uh, February of 20. 2020. Yeah. Um, but continue, um, yeah. One of the, one of the things I'd like to see, which, uh, probably not, I, I mean, it's good that it is rebounded. Um, mm -hmm. I think during the pandemic, a lot of us thought that this was going to be the new normal. That's what they always mm -hmm. tried to say. You know, people are going to work from home more. So it's nice to see people getting out because you saw so much mental health issues. Yeah. Um, with different people, different things, even just, anxiety, depression, uh, social anxiety. Oh, yeah. Um, you see a lot of those things come up whenever you're working from home a lot. Uh, and I think it's nice to see it rebound there after COVID, um, oh, up until sure. October 20 of 2022. Um, it goes back up to 60 or er, yeah. Yeah. 80, 
Yeah, 88.5 there. I see that. And uh, I, I don't even know if I think we covered this top, the the loneliness pandemic that kind of accompanied the COVID pandemic in a, in a later in an earlier episode. But what actually happened was in the UK, the, the queen actually appointed a minister of loneliness. I think it was in the year 2020. And she appointed wow. a minister of loneliness. That's the extreme level of um, loneliness that the particularly yeah. I think it was men, but I think it was also women and children that were they were reporting in that year. It was just crazy. And yeah. to actually appoint a public office to meet that need is just that blew my mind when I learned that she did that. But Hi, guys, I want to take a quick break and tell you about an opportunity that you guys have as listeners to become subscribers of this podcast. Now, in order to become a sub, all you have to do is follow the subscribe link in the show notes found in the description of each episode. And when you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusive material, including additional interviews, all of my spoken word poetry pieces, all of my dramatized allegorical short stories, and even more of my article readings. Okay, so lots of content will be available to you that won't be available to anyone else. Subscribing to the show only costs five dollars a month which is less than most people spend on their lunch at work every day okay so you won't even notice it disappearing from your bank account if you enjoy listening to the show and you're looking for an opportunity to financially support the content you care about this is your chance okay follow the link in the show notes to become a sub thank you so much for choosing this show to listen to and now without further ado let's get back to the episode uh yeah it's loneliness is a real i would say that that harmed just as many as people as COVID did, if not more, um, right. you know, not on, maybe not even on a physical level, but there's a lot more to life than physical health. So totally agree with you there. That was definitely, definitely devastating. He says titled of boys and men, the book explores the economic, social, and cultural shifts that have formed forced men to the sidelines of the economy, including the loss of jobs in male dominated fields, such as manufacturing and the influx of women into the workforce diminishing the need for men to serve as providers for their families. So that they're kind of talking about um, female breadwinners there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Landon? Have you ever thought about, like, what do you think about the, just, do you think it's a good idea or even, you know, do you think there are any consequences to men staying home and being stay-at-home dads and the moms going to work and being the so, breadwinners and kind of reversing? I would say that reversing, I don't see as much of a problem with is just both of them being gone altogether. Um, mm, now yeah, that's not to say, that's not to say that I don't think that it would be better for children to be at home with their mom rather than their dad. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. but you would much rather than be with at least one of them, uh, for sure, rather than with a stranger at daycare or something like that. Oh um, yeah. But what I think the biggest issue is, and you don't hear a lot of people talk about it is people being able to survive off of a single income, uh, yeah. like a single household income. Um, yeah. with, with the economy, the way it is, and it started becoming that way because you had people, um, I, I read a study, it was about women being more agreeable. Um, Jordan Peterson yeah. talks about it a little bit where yeah, yeah, women are, women are more likely to pay more for their products because they're yeah. more agreeable. If a man right. doesn't like the price on the product, he just won't buy it. Um, right. for the most part, um, but I think that has a lot to do with the increases in pricing that we see. And now we're at a point where it's hard to even live off of a single household income. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it's as big of a deal that if the mother was the breadwinner, um, mm, as yeah. I would if both of the parents had to go to work. Yeah. 
One hundred percent. I think you really, I really, I think you really hit the nail on the head there with your fir- the, one of the first things you said, which was that, uh, you know, reversing the roles doesn't have nearly the negative impact that sending both parents away to work does. Absolutely. And I definitely see, yeah, I definitely see that as true, uh, especially as a public school teacher. You know, a lot of my kids, both parents are away at work, and I, I see the the effect of just basically handing over the parenting role to the government and sending away your kids all day to a public school institution, which I'm not knocking that. Obviously that's my career. I think that the public school does a lot of good things. I'm just talking about the, there are going to be consequences when kids are spending the majority of their waking hours away from both parents, both mom and dad. So when you, and I think there were consequences, you know, when the dad back, back during the industrial revolution, when the dads began going over, away from the agricultural farms and their livelihoods there to work in factories. I think kids had pro- <clears throat> kids had problems there because they suffered from the lack of a male role model, a father yes. around the house. And well, then you saw, the, same you saw thing- the mom have to become yeah. both of those um, roles yeah. in the children's life. And I think that that's a big part of, uh, you know, you, you can definitely tell the difference in generations. Um, oh, yeah. People talk, people have talked about that since like the beginning of time. Um, but one of the things that they talk about is, you know, certain generations are softer or certain generations, you know, look at other generations as being too soft. And it's like you have to look at what was going on in the home with that generation. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes sure. back to what you said with, uh, you know, mothers, dads going off to work these jobs where they weren't going to be home with the kids as much. Um, moms had mm-hmm. to take on that role. Yeah. And then what happened was just a little bit later with the women's rights movement, the women did the same thing. They began entering the workforce and suddenly who's got the kids that enter the public education system, uh, daycares, enter all sorts of child sitting services. And um, they are now basically trying to shoulder the burden of parenthood um, that parents have, you know, sometimes forsaken in, in favor of a higher paycheck. And I'm not, again, I'm not slamming, I'm not slamming people who work homes where both parents work. Like you said, the economy, sometimes there, it is absolutely necessary. Sometimes you can't run a household on one income, you know, um, sometimes yeah. it is necessary, you know, like, well, kind of, right, I think of know, it as, I said it in the last episode, my goal is for my wife not to have to work right now. She has right. to work. I mean, that's just the way yeah. it is. Um, you know, and there's a lot of households like that where it's like, yeah, as much as I'd love for my wife to stay home with the kids, or I'd love for me to be able to stay home with the kids. Like it's not possible right now. Um, and you'll, you'll see that in a lot of households right now, because that's just the way the economy has been set up for the recent past. It's sad, but I do. What, what encourages me is I think that we can get to a place, you know, given years, uh, to invest in, you know, things like passive income and um, jobs that pay you without you doing much. I think it is possible to get to a place where you can support yourself without leaving the home, even either parents leaving the home. But I think that that does take time. I think that you have to build up to that. None of the people I know who are, you know, multimillionaires by the time they're, um, you know, halfway through life, none of them do that when they're young. Right. None of them have those those incomes, those passive incomes when they're young. It's about building assets and building your assets column and make, buying basically what I, from what I hear, buying other businesses that then you own, that then pay you without you having to do anything. Yeah. Which, one of the things that I think is uh kind of coming around is more of a grandparent raising age. Yeah. So what, ha- what ends up happening is by the time people who have kids at an earlier age than normal, um, by the time they are old enough to have someone stay home, they probably already have grandkids. 
Um, yeah. You know, and, and you'll be seeing a lot of grandparents staying at home and watching the kids while mom yeah. and dad go to work. Yeah, that's so true. And something that I, actually I was talking with a, a fellow teacher uh, last year, last school year about that, that exact issue. And she, her, her basic point was what's going to happen when this present generation grows up and becomes the new you know, the new grandparents of tomorrow, raising, yeah. ki- raising their grandchildren, like, cause they haven't had that, you know, and that, that really blows your mind and think about it even this way. What's going to happen when this generation grows up to be parents, if they leave the picture, their parents were never in the picture. Right. Right. Like the, the kids that I have now, the ones who don't have a mom and dad, when they grow up and have kids, their mom and dad still aren't going to be around. So grandparents won't be able to step in. Exactly. So that's going to be that's that's going to be a disturbing trend. I think there too. We'll see what emerges uh, to fill that gap, which is kind of yeah. scary if you think about it. But oh, at absolutely. the same time, I don't know. It, it, yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. Hi guys, this is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. Uh, continuing with the article here, here's something that I, as I was skimming, I found really interesting. He said in 1979, only 13 percent of women earned more than the average man. Now 40% of women earn more than the average man. 40% of us households have female bread, a female breadwinner quadruple the number of a few decades get decades ago. So that's almost half, uh, have a female breadwinner. Um, and 13% of women or only 13% of women were earning more than the average man, you know, 50 years ago, um, or 40 years ago. And that to me, what that says, um, now it says now 40% are earning more than the average man. Uh, to me, what that says is that spe- that's another thing that's connected to marriage rates because it's just, it's a very you know accepted statistical reality that men who get married earn more. Um, that's all generally speaking, that's true. Men who get married earn more than men who stay single. Um, so here we have forty percent of women earning more than the average man. When you have men not getting married, that's going to lower their paycheck, and suddenly you have women earning more than men for that reason, but also potentially other reasons, you know, uh, used to men were, you know, I, I've listened to Jordan Peterson a lot on this topic and I'd be curious to know your thoughts on it landed, but he basically says that men are, you know, more willing to spend more hours at work. Uh, they're, they're more willing to do harder, uh, physical tasks. They're more willing to put in more uh, mental effort into their jobs. Therefore they make more. That's kind of his argument behind what men make more than women. Um, but what do you think of that? Do you think there's another reason that men would make more money than women sometimes, or is it just kind of arbitrary or, um, well, I think a part of that, um, what you said about the labor, um, back Mm -hmm. in the time where they're talking about here, um, in 1979, I mean, even earlier, um, you know, there weren't women in the workforce, like the labor force, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, those are some of the higher paying jobs, especially in a rural area. Um, yeah, around, around our area. Um, it's a lot of our high pay, high paying jobs are like electrician, um, you know, co-workers, um, steel workers, you've got Mm -hmm. your pipe fitters. Those are the people who are making big money. Um, and now you're seeing women stepping into this role and, uh, not to say if that's negative or positive, but I think that's a, something that's causing this shift with the, um, you know, 40% of women earning more than the average man. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that 
you, you mentioned that in 1979, the women were just totally absent from the labor force. I think that's, I think Landon, that's still true today based on what I've seen is they like, I think the lowest area, the lowest field of, you know, female presence is bricklayers. I think that there's almost yeah. zero bricklayers who are female. It's like 99% are male or something, something extremely high. Um, so that would totally make sense. I totally, it totally makes sense to me that, uh, women would, you know, sacrifice some more physically intense lifestyle. Um, something that they're really not, you know, inclined for anyway, in favor of family life, home life, jobs like preschool teacher or uh, teacher in general, um, or just even other things that don't require physical, you know, manual now, labor. Now you have companies that are hiring, uh, you know, females in, at higher roles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's like a executive. local... There's a local company, a uh, local gas company that has a quota. They they have a quota of how many women they have to hire. And I think the Not number really. was 65% are in like a um, more office setting. Um, but they're ah, still getting yeah. paid more than the laborers at that, at that company. So huh. the, where these companies used to be a... Um, you know, a bunch of men, you would work as a laborer, work your way up until you get to that executive role. Now they're filling those roles that they have for the women by putting them into the executive roles that these men have been working towards. Mm, yeah. And I think, I think obviously desk jobs, office jobs, you know, I think uh, women are really inclined for those as far as, you know, what they're good at doing in the workplace. I think they're really, uh, good at that. Uh, whereas men, I would think are really good at, you know, physical labor, uh, learning trades that require you to be, um, you know, physically involved. I think that men would be, you know, super inclined for those. It kind of makes sense to me. Men are more physical, stronger physically. Um, they actually enjoy moving more on average. I think that men are more kinesthetic and women are more fine motor skills kind of thing. So it makes sense to me on that front, but Continuing on here, he says the general pattern is one of widening inequality of wages generally, but of stagnating wages for the majority of American men. And that's created the economic malaise or malaise. That's a definitely a disturbing thing. I don't like to see. Obviously, we don't talk about money as much as much as other things on the show because it's not really our focus. But I do think that prosperity, um, financial prosperity, financial well-being, um, being being in abundance is good for family life. So, I mean, it's, it is sad to me that we see these, these falling numbers of men, not only a staying home and not going to work at all, but also b you know, not making as much when they do go work. It's, it's disturbing, but I think there are ways around it. What's one way that you, that you see around this Landon, what's one way address the problem first of men, just not, not leaving the house. What's one way you think they might need to uh, fix that. So I think we've pushed so much, um, that women need to go out and work, um, Mm. that it's become a preconceived already thought up idea for the general household. Um, Mm. Something that I think we should do is start to talk about instead of women, you need to do this men, you need to do this. We need to talk about a family. We need to, instead of talking to women in general, like in uh, women by themselves or men by themselves, Um, we need to be talking about the family unit. Um, yeah, we, we neglect that in conversation, especially when we're talking in schools. Um, we talk more about 
well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, and yeah. what do you want to do whenever you grow up? What What's your goal? And we aren't pushing enough. What's the goal for your family? What's the goal for your future family? You know, what do you want to do with when you have kids? What do you want to do when you have a wife? I think that we have to just make it in order to really re-engineer the way that we think about these things. We have to make it clear to people at a young age that this is the end goal. So good. So good. Removing the individualistic goal and replacing it with the community, the family, the family goal, acting like, you know, the family actually takes precedence above the individual is very something that I don't see much. You know, one of the things that I heard uh, uh, Jeremy Pryor say one time when I was interviewing him was basically that if we're if we're if our goal as the country of America is to produce, um, you know, individuals with bright futures, we're doing a great job. But if our goal is to produce families with bright futures, then we might need to work on some things. And then, you know, that's kind of the, that's the place where we got to. And I think that's definitely true. Guys, we're out of time today. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been an awesome episode. Um, again, I'm so grateful for a co-host now. It makes it so much easier on me. It makes it more entertaining for you guys. It uh, gives you a different perspectives on the show, different ways of communication, also just a different voice. I love to hear different voices on shows. Uh, having just one monotone speaker kind of gets a little old sometimes so thank you so much for uh, helping me out with this land in guys and we will thank you for tuning in if you're interested in reaching out and letting us know what you thought of the episode you can do so through the link in the show notes there's a link there to send us a personalized voice message that we listen to all of those and we will get back to you on those we're so grateful for those it feel, makes us feel super connected to you you can also follow the restoring report podcast landon and myself on facebook and instagram if you are interested thank you guys so much for listening today and we will talk to you next time